Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Student Counselor Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get started today with uh, this amazing episode with Beth, I wanted to come on here and explain to you that we actually ran into some connectivity issues before we got started. It was uh, it was so bad that we it kind of took a little bit longer for us to get started, and I had to reset my modem, do all of these things. Ended up switching computers. Uh, and went into my main work computer to record this episode uh, just because of how bad it was on my laptop. And come to find out later, I just had some updates to do on my laptop that was just disrupting the Wi-Fi signal, I guess. So, yeah, that happened. (laughs) And with that being said, when I switched to the work computer or the computer that I would use for work, mostly or my my daily driver i guess i would say because i have my laptop and that's usually where i record my episodes with guests um but when i switched computers i totally was not prepared for that and it it happened that i didn't switch the recording to the microphone on the headset that i use when i speak with guests so you were going to notice that there's some issues with my microphone in the beginning but when I found this out, when I noticed that I didn't switch to the microphone on the the headset, it was too late and it had already started recording and I couldn't switch it, or at least I couldn't figure out how to switch it during the interview process that I just kind of let it record from my computer. Uh, but you are going to notice in the beginning that there's uh, the, the volume is very low, but it does get a little bit better later. So I just wanted to announce that before. Uh, yeah, it just happens. Technology. It is what it is, right? And it's funny because that even sparked the conversation with Beth later on the episode about the issues that we can face with telehealth clients, you know, in, in, in the setting where we're providing services online and the connectivity issues that we can face. So it was pretty interesting. So I hope you liked this episode. Just wanted to come on here and kind of let you know this beforehand. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Beth. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I learned so much, uh, and I hope that we can continue this relationship throughout our career. So to everyone, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Sorry again for the mic issues, and uh, yeah, (laughs) thank you so much. Bye. Hi, I'm sitting here today with Beth Laskowski. Beth, please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the listeners your educational background. Hi, Vitor. Thank you for having me on today. Um, yeah, my educational background, pretty much my undergrad was in psychology and social like a lens around marginalization and diversity and stuff like that, a lot of advocacy and whatnot. Um, but now I'm in an MFT program, and so I have done my first year at Alliant International University, and I'm in Sacramento, California, so I go on campus, um, and yeah, I mean, pretty much right now, I just started my internship, and that has been a journey in the last, like, two months, so it's going to be really interesting. I have another year um, to collect hours, and then I'll graduate, so that's about where I am in my uh, educational path right now. 
Awesome. Well, congrats. Uh, I haven't started internship yet, but I can imagine it's a lot of it's a lot of work. Are you doing classes at the same time? Yeah, yeah. I have a full load of summer classes. So I have three classes um, that includes a practicum class where I have like supervision. And um, what else am I taking? Um, psychopathology and psychopharmacology. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. And then you do your internship. How many hours a week or a month is that? Um, right now, I should be doing about 10 hours a week. Um, okay. But eventually, it will get to almost 24, 25 hours a week with wow. my, my class load. So, yeah, wow. it's really about learning how to juggle multiple things, keeping a tight calendar, you yeah. know, staying on top of everything, and then trying to add a little self-care in there. But yeah. it's definitely a work in progress right now. Yeah, organization is, is key when you have so much going on. Do you work full-time, too, outside of this? Um, during the summer, I don't work. I am a essay review tutor for high school students. Oh. And so we pretty much get the summer off. But in August, I'll be doing that again. And it's actually remote, so it's online. So it's very convenient for me to be able to work part-time, do my internship, and then do school as well. Yeah, I mean, in general, your life is full-time. I mean, you're school and internship and even if your work is remote or not and just you know however many hours it is it's it definitely takes uh, a lot of a person's uh, life you know just to manage all of those stuff so I think that's a that's a good starting point too so what do you recommend for students because a lot of times they're working full-time and have to care for their families babies or any you know all these other things going on um, what do you recommend as far as like keeping track of all of it and not losing their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Um, a lot of the individuals in my cohort do have families, they have children, they have full-time jobs. Thankfully I don't have children and it's really just me and my partner and our dogs. So I'm very grateful for that. But for the other individuals who have just a really full life from family to work to school, I think that the number one thing is really having a good network of people around you, you know, um, that really just kind of helps not only with the self-care, but with the need to like consult people and consult the individuals in your cohort. Um, in the beginning, it can be really overwhelming to take on this much of a graduate program and then try and figure out how to fit in family and work as well. Yeah. And so being able to kind of have those connections with your cohort and other individuals in, in the realm is really helpful to just check in, to also just contact if you have questions about assignments or, yeah. you know, just all that stuff. It really, really is helpful um, to have a good network around you if you can in the beginning and when you're trying to juggle so many things. Yeah, especially like I said in the beginning where it's all new, it's all fresh. You know, exactly. So much. It's like you have to change your whole life, you know, to start studying and to a lot of graduate students. You know, some of them have not gone to school in a long time. You know, some of them are fresh out of undergrad and you go ready to go. So it's just a continuation out of that with you know, different levels of classes. But a lot of the times what I see, at least in my program, and you can tell me about yours, too. You know, a lot of people, sometimes they have gone to school years ago and it's just like readapting. So, yeah, that's very true. Um, quite a few individuals. I think, too, with um, 
just the interim that COVID allowed us, I think a lot of people really reevaluated kind of the direction and what they really wanted to do. And so a lot of uh, the individuals in my cohort um, are kind of coming from that long gap of not having been an undergrad and are now trying to really establish themselves in a career. And so, yeah, it's, it's a big ad- adaptation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's where you kind of come in or not you, like me also, you know, we, we feel we t- took on this um, role to, to help students even more throughout their process through school. So I know you have an Instagram page where it's mostly focused through, you know, through your NFT program and you're helping students with that. But I, I, I can tell you, me across the, the country in Florida, you in California in, in a different program. I, I love the stuff you post and it's just very related to schoolwork. So Tell me about that, that passion of helping students and, and how that started. Yeah, um, I have always had a passion for education and for just helping students reach their goals, right? So part of that being a tutor and then being a counselor and a therapist, all of that really kind of flows together. And when I first started the program, I felt like there was a lot of really good stuff we were learning. But it felt like there was a gap between what we were learning in class and then the material we were given to read outside of class. Mm. And so I just felt like um, establishing this Instagram, MFT Student Services, it really helped bridge that. Here are the basic concepts and here like just some infographics that I think really land with individuals on trying to um, get the information from textbook into reality. And so this is where the IG kind of came in as far as being able to really easily conceptualize these larger theoretical topics um, and also just basic, you know, logistics, like having to learn about the BBS in California, the Board of Behavioral Services, is our licensure board. And that's a lot of, it causes a lot of confusion. So being able to establish some of these, um, like one place that's going to go be informative and give students a lot of information. That's essentially what I wanted to do with this Instagram. That's awesome. Well, good for you. Keep that up. Um, what's some of the feedback you, you've received? Uh, any particular you know, thing that's happened with other students that you can share? Yeah, absolutely, actually. And those are like the most validating points after creating this Instagram. You know, there's so much kind of imposter syndrome that goes with creating you know, this visibility for ourselves. And so um, it was maybe a month after I had started it, I had a couple of other MFT students and counseling students reach out to me via message and say, you have no idea how uh, resourceful this is and how beneficial this is. It gives me an idea of which direction to go and kind of what things I'll be learning in the program. And so that was just so validating to just continue doing it um, yeah, and so I've made a couple of connections. I've actually been able to start tutoring um, one of the counselors on just basic concepts of MFT to see if she has an idea of whether or not she wants to go into the program. And oh, so nice. I think, yeah, those are really good just um, stepping stones to figuring out if this is for you or not. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I, I've never tutored anyone specifically, but I do notice that a lot of the, the my listeners and my followers sometimes are not even graduate students yet and they're just exposing themselves to this field to see if this is something that they like and a lot of them are like oh man it's so cool you had this assignment like most recently I, I wrote about uh, a paper I had a post about a paper that I did and people reach out that's so cool that that's the kind of work you guys do in graduate school so it really opens up 
your perspective of what that life could be like. So did you have anything like that when you were in grad, uh, undergrad? And, like, did you do anything like that? Because I did it. <laughs> I did a lot of internet research. I'm, I like that kind of stuff anyways. So trying to figure out the right program for me and whatnot, it took months of just internet research as far as finding the right school and if MFT was right, or if it was more along the lines of a professional clinical counselor. Um, but I didn't have any direct resources like podcasts or, you know, Instagrams from students who were in the field and doing it. So yeah, unfortunately I didn't, I wasn't able to access those kinds of things. But now I think there's a huge field for that. And I think it's great. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's just really a helpful tool to, to connect with students and, and give them that perspective of the life of a graduate student and that program to see if they, is this the program that I want or is that the program that I want? So yeah, I didn't have nothing like that either. Or maybe I didn't search good enough, but that, that's kind of how I started the podcast because I couldn't find anything related to it in that perspective. So uh, yeah, definitely keep it up. That's awesome. It definitely helps me in a completely different program in a different state. And I know you post a lot of stuff about California and we'll get into that a little bit here too. Um, I wanted to talk to you since you brought up, you know, about the process that you took into finding the right program mm-hmm. and the right school, right? Mm-hmm. So how did you land in the marriage and family therapy program? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's so many options, right? There's LPCC, there's social work, all kinds of people that can do counseling. But marriage family therapy, I I was particularly interested in it because I really believe that the relational aspect of our lives, the relationships, the interactions that we have with other people ultimately are really important to how we conduct ourselves and how we reach our goals and, um, you know, the levels of happiness that we can cultivate in our lives and the networks and connectedness and community. And so all of that was really important to me. And that's really emphasized in a marriage family therapist curriculum. Um, And so that's why I felt like that was the program for me over the other ones. Okay. And how was that the process of narrowing it down? Like what do I want? What what other options did you consider for yourself? Yeah, Yeah, I considered LPCC. Um, That's pretty much where you're only counseling individuals. It's a licensed professional clinical counselor. And um, that, I mean, pretty much I would be okay with doing that, but I really felt like I wanted to work with families. Um, From my history, I felt like there was a lot of um, familial ties that really directed my behaviors in the world. And so I really thought that was important. I saw that other people as well. Um, And then, although I come with maybe a social action lens from my undergrad, Social work was maybe not the exact direction that I wanted to go. I wanted to be able to really talk to people and get in deep and understand kind of the lens that they're leading their lives through. And and if they wanted support in changing that, that that's where I wanted to help. And I felt that was best for me. Yeah, I agree. I I believe that family plays a major role into into our lives, into who we are. Um, to what we want to do with our careers and aspirations and things like that. So it's definitely cool. I've also considered uh, before being uh, before choosing the clinical mental health counseling program, I was leaning towards uh, marriage and family therapy uh, because what got me into to therapy myself was my parents' divorce when I was a teenager. And uh, I, I was trying to be the mediator of it all, trying to fix it. You know? <laughs> and that didn't Tough place out for to me. be. Yeah, 
Um, and then at that point, I was like, oh, cool. And I want to become a psychologist. And from there, you know, I, that's, I thought the only way of becoming a therapist was to become a psychologist. Ended up finding all of these different programs down the road after finishing my undergrad. Um, and that's when I, um, you know, came across the marriage and family therapy and was considering that for a while. And I almost actually went through it. But then I found the clinical mental health counseling program and I really loved it. I, I just went for it. So here we are now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Halfway through. <laughs> Great. Yeah, same yeah. here. So yeah. a little bit more left, but we're almost there. Yeah, for me, it might take a little bit longer. I'm halfway through my classes, but I haven't started my internship yet. And I kind of been postponing it and leaving it till I'm only till I'm fully finished with my classes or at least like 90% done with it. Then I could just focus fully on my internship. Um, and I know that's not something that every school offers. Is that something you could do in your school if you wanted it? No, I was actually just really intrigued by what you were saying because, um, yeah, pretty much we start our internship the second, the beginning of the second year. So we're still fully immersed in classes while we're having a full internship as well. And you're saying like, you have to do it. Like there's no way around yeah. that. This is the path. Okay. Understood. Um, I didn't know for my school, like when I was choosing the school, like if that was something that I could do or not do. Um, I also thought that perhaps I'll be starting internship in, with classes because they did kind of give me like a, a schedule that said, hey, this is usually what students follow if you want to finish in two years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on that schedule, internship and practicum was you know, in between classes. And I thought that was going to be my life. But after starting the program, connecting with other people, we have a Facebook group for the school where everyone that goes to, to that program is on that group. Um, and after connecting with people, I've realized that that's an option that I could have. So I was like, you know what? I think that's better for me. So how hard is it to keep up with, I mean, I know we kind of touched on it before in the beginning, but how hard is it to do both simultaneously? Yeah. Yeah. And just to comment on uh, your style of program. I mean, I wish that was offered for individuals who had like family and full-time work schedules, right? seems yeah. really beneficial to be able to kind of prioritize what you want to do with that. So yeah. that's really nice that you have that option. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a good option. And again, I was surprised by it. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it, I can imagine it's just hard. I mean, I would struggle in working full time. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I was, I think I would lose so many hairs for it more than I already lost. <laughs> definitely the theme of my education at this point is just tiredness, you know? Yeah. yeah I mean, I yeah, with the, the school work and the internship, uh, it, it is a lot. It's a lot. You know, the days are packed 9am to 9pm. I have school some nights until 10 o'clock at night. I see some clients at 9am in the morning. And so it really does get to be just about finding those moments for yourself because the days are really packed once you get into internship and a full load at school. Yeah. So being able to juggle that is not easy and I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. One more year or so to go. Um, yeah. On that note, too, um, I mean, I hear that some people, some students from my school or even other schools um, kind of told me about it, that they like it because while you're taking classes, while you're learning those theories, while you're learning those you know, listening skills, you know, depending on the classes that you're in, you're applying that in real time. So do you see like that being helpful for you? Yeah, yeah, I could see that definitely being helpful. It's nice to be kind of learning simultaneously while seeing clients. I think it's also good to kind of be able to access your professors and other professionals. Um, 
in order to find consultation or to ask, you know, guidance from. Um, and yeah, so I think that that is beneficial. That's awesome. Okay, cool. And um, okay, well, moving a little bit in a different direction. Um, I wanted to go in deeper into your program because again, it's different than mine. And, and hear from you at what are some of your favorite classes that you've taken so far? Oh, yeah. Um, so let's see. I take three classes every semester and I pretty much just go the full year. Like we don't have a summer break or anything. So it's just yeah. been going full steam ahead. And I am really enjoying psychopathology. Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit on the fence about diagnosing people and the rigidity of the DSM and whatnot, but I still think yeah. it's really important in order to be able to just see these things in our clients. Um, if they meet criteria for certain things, sometimes being able to label that and name it is really helpful and beneficial for the client. So psychopathology has been really helpful with that. Um, another class that I really like that I didn't think I was going to like maybe because I'm not too much of um, a therapist who is interested in working with young children, but parent-child therapy was one of the most amazing classes that I've ever taken. Wow. And it was just so much fun. Um, I think it really allows the student to kind of get into their kind of childlike nature and be mm -hmm. able to, um, you know, understand how a child thinks, understand how a parent thinks, and then be able to, you know, bring those two perspectives together. And, um, we also did some really fun projects, you know, in child therapy, um, you have a lot of obviously play therapy is like the first modality that you would use. So one of the projects was essentially to make a basket of play therapy items. And that oh, was, it was cool. really fun. And, you know, we got to test them out on each other in class. And it was just, it was so lighthearted amongst all of the really serious things that we do in therapy, that it was really one of my favorite classes. That's awesome. That sounds so cool. I can... Uh, I, I agree with you. I'm probably, I don't know, maybe I'll change this in the future, but, you know, working with young, young children is probably mm -hmm. not my forte, but that's, I can see how that class could be funny on you know, the, making the, the play therapy um, basket and all of that stuff. And since you shared like some of the projects that you've done, uh, I think that's really important uh, for us who, you know, trying to connect with other students you know, mm -hmm. to kind of give them pers that perspective of the kind of things that you actually do in school instead of just saying, hey, this is, this is, the, these are the theories, this is the, yeah. the stuff you learn. Like, sometimes they want to know, like, what is it like, you know? And then most mm -hmm. recently, I had a couple of posts uh, about a paper that I wrote that I had to diagnose Peter Parker, aka Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, and it was super fun for me. And I, I, I diagnosed him with major depressive disorder. And he's my favorite superhero character. I'm not sure if you're into it or not, but that's <laughs> I did I did that and it was so fun. And I had a lot of people reached out to me and yeah. I'm just like happy about that. So aside from the the play therapy therapy basket, what are some of the other projects you've done or papers you've done that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, sure. Um you know, I think one thing that I think is funny before ever coming into the program, I didn't realize how much role playing was going to be required of me. Ah. And so that really is taking you out of your comfort zone to really be there and try your therapeutic hand and try and really slow people down and be in their emotions. And so role playing was something that I was not anticipating, but it is a big part of the MFT program. Um, you have a full two semesters where oh, wow. you do nothing but the role plays around the theory that you're studying that week. Hmm. That's so awesome. that's, 
yeah, that's one thing that really uh, was surprising. I'm not sure why it was surprising to me. It makes total sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> I get it. Don't worry, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense. But so, yeah, that's been a huge opportunity for learning, a huge opportunity to like really, really try your therapeutic hand. And so I think it's really beneficial. Um, another thing that we do a lot of is the self of the therapist write, writing papers. Mm. And so that's essentially when you're in session with a client or even if you're just considering what issues a client may bring into session and what issue, what those issues may bring up within yourself um, and being able to really examine ourselves and how we respond to the client, to the different things that the different behaviors, the different tones that they may interact with you with and whether or not that brings stuff up with us, right? If somebody is maybe a little bit sarcastic or if they're a little bit um, brash in session, you know, is that making the therapist feel uncomfortable? And if it is, then we're required to kind of sit back and reflect on that. And so that is another huge component of the MFT program. Oh, wow. That's super important. Like, cause that happens a lot. I mean, in the therapy room, you're, you're sitting there a client might say something that triggers you or it's just so important to reflect on. I never did a paper on that. So that's, that's good. That's good to know that you guys do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, counter-transference is a really big theme of just kind of talking uh, to other students in the program. And so really understanding yourself and how you're going to maybe react to the clients or even just certain things that you know you're going to react poorly to, react differently to. Um, yeah, that that really is emphasized to take the time to understand yourself in that way. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about that through different papers, but like that, those are like sections within those papers. So like if we're studying a population or if we're studying a theory, like what came up during that moment, like we'll talk about that, but I never had a paper solely focused on that. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. A lot of that for sure. Yeah. Uh, I did that. I think in my coach multicultural class that I took, mm -hmm. um, that was all about like, okay, what cultures trigger you? Yeah. <laughs> What are what cultures are you not familiar with uh, and things like that, which is so important. Uh, and that class is so important too. Do you guys have that class? Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially in America where, you know, we're a melting pot of different cultures. I mean, there's people here from across the globe. I mean, look at yourself, like you said, you're like different, um, you know, backgrounds. So yeah. that's uh, it's just so important to understand culture, understand what triggers you. And even outside of that, what triggers you in, in a person's behavior? Exactly. The way they, what they believe and the way they perceive things. So yeah. good to, to do that. Uh, considering the, the things are, you know, that you do in class, so you've mentioned some of the, the papers that you do. What it is, what would you say is your favorite theory or favorite theorist, if you want to say it? <laughs> <laughs> one or the two or both you can pick <laughs> yeah for sure I think it's funny I, it's not that he's my favorite theorist because there's so much controversy around Freud now but I think that when I think about what the impetus for this journey for myself is definitely Freud was just the beginning of that right but now as I've gone through my MFT journey um Internal family systems is really my theoretical lens. Um, I like a lot of inner child work and Dick Schwartz is pretty much the theorist around internal family systems. And I also believe that we have a lot of different parts of us that 
are maybe conflicting at times or maybe suppressed at other times or show themselves in, in one way or another. And that's pretty much what internal family systems focuses on is being able to address each one of those different parts within us and understanding those parts and then creating a safe space to kind of get those parts to resolve if they're shameful parts or if they're, um, you know, just maladaptive parts and then being able to kind of unblend those from the person's self pretty much to our, our innate being. And so bringing all of those parts and making it into one whole person is essentially what I'm working towards through internal family systems. Wow, that's awesome. Good to hear. And I do relate to you on the, on the Freud stuff. I think yeah. everyone probably or most people that uh, had a, a background in psychology or a BA in psychology, or, you know, any kind of bachelor's related to psychology would say, hey, I like Freud. I, you know, I, that's what got me here or I know about Freud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once they they get into the program or get into their master's uh they discover all of these different things. I'm like, oh man, what do I like? You know, do I like this yeah. more? Do I like that more? So I've also kind of had that conflict now. Love CBT. I love mm-hmm. solution-based therapy. I think you had a post about that, that I reshared it. Uh, just that's, that probably say my top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, yeah, the family stuff, like you said, it's, it's important, especially for the field that you're in. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, Beth, uh, switching gears a little bit. I wanted to, to talk to you about something funny that happened today with us. Um, we had um, our scheduled meeting and unfortunately we had some connectivity issues. I believe it was because of my internet and I kept you waiting for some time to fix that. And it's funny because that started making me wonder, you know, all the issues that we can potentially have with clients in the future, you know, providing telehealth kind of services. So is that something you want to do, provide telehealth services? And what kind of, you know, issues, how do you, how do you see these issues um, playing um, in, in real life, you know, happening in real life? Yeah, um, it's interesting because at first I didn't really want to do telehealth. I'm very much of an individual who appreciates like the energy, ed- energetic connection in the room with the client. And so with COVID, a lot of my classes started online and then my internship started online. And actually the one client I have right now is through telehealth. And um, I don't mind it as much as I thought I would. And I haven't run into a lot of technical issues, but I do think that it's important just to be transparent about that at the beginning, right? That way we kind of can establish a foundation for our clients that where they understand that there are some things that are out of our control and that we may have to, in the interim, be adaptable. And so, um, you know, uh, I'm fine with doing telehealth now. I think in the beginning, I was a little bit reluctant, but I've been able to establish a good connection with my clients over the internet and over telehealth. And so I think um, looking forward to a potential private practice for myself, I would very much be interested in taking on telehealth clients throughout California. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, Not because I was ever against it um i can see the the value that it brings but i'm like the person that just wants to have that human connection and it's like okay if i'm gonna go to therapy once or twice a month or whatever you know i want to get out and like see the therapist um even right now my my therapist i was going through in person now i'm doing telehealth so 
I completely get it. I've been there. I agree. I do like that, that, that human connection or just getting out of the house. Maybe it's because of that. Cause I work from home. I'm home a lot and I just want to get out. Um, but yeah, now I can see how that's something that's just mostly like part of our lives, especially after COVID classes started going online, everything started going online and, and uh, the world of therapy. Uh, I don't know. I can't give a percentage. Don't quote me here, mm-hmm. but it, it seems like the big, my, my, you know, majority of it is online. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, the benefit of being online is that it allows more accessibility for clients who couldn't typically access therapy, whether or not that's because they don't have the ability with a car or they don't have, you know, whatever means to be able to access therapy, the telehealth pretty much brings it into their home. And if they want it, they can, you know, access it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how has it been with, uh, you know, without disclosing anything, I get, of course, from your, your, your client, but mm-hmm. how has it been the experience of doing your internship online and, and having, uh, you know, this, uh, this, is it your first client? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so how has that been? It's been interesting because I, uh, you know, I have done a lot of role playing with my cohort, but I haven't actually seen a client. So having my first client online was, it took some, you know, feeling out where things were supposed to land. And um, a lot of the first two sessions was really just getting to know each other and getting to know kind of how we communicate via Zoom, you know, without talking over each other, without interrupting each other to be able to make that connection. And it's been good so far. After five sessions, I think that we've really established a good rapport online where it doesn't feel like Zoom gets in the way. Mm. Do you have yeah. any connectivity issues yet? Or is it just Not me? Yet. Equally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully you never do. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's some of the, the, the challenges overall, just because it is your first client, it's your first time experiencing this. So What's some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, when I first got into my internship, I was in um, community mental health. And so what I'm finding the difference is is that the type of clients that you're serving are are a lot different than if you were in like private practice. Mm. So um, my client that I have has very minimal basic needs. So she's unhoused. She's unemployed. She comes with a lot of childhood trauma. And so for me, I'm finding it a little bit challenging to be able to address mental health when basic needs aren't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when an individual, yeah, isn't really, they don't have that stability, then, you know, where do you really go as far as addressing anxiety and depression and shame and trauma? Um, So that's been a bit of a challenge for me, but I'm navigating it. Yeah, it's like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, exactly for you to get to that, that top, like you have to get those basic needs done. So it's, yeah, it's really hard to, to work through someone's self-esteem or, or their major mm-hmm. issues you know, when their basic needs are not being fulfilled. So um, yeah, I can, I can, now I'm like here thinking like, what if that was me? Like I, I find, I, I always stress before things happen. Like I keep thinking like, Oh man, what would I do in this case? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious to, to see how all these things play out for me in the future as a, you know, in the in internship. So I believe one of the other struggles I have, and you can correct me if, I mean, not correct me, but let me know if you feel the same way. Yeah. But a lot of the times my struggle is just like, how do I connect with someone that 
has gone through something or is experiencing something that I personally didn't experience in my life. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm with my client, I'm very much experiencing that, but I'm very curious and I'm very much willing to just allow her to tell her story until there's a point where I feel like, okay, well, there's something we can work with. There's a nugget that's, you know, where the immediacy comes in and that's where we kind of open that up, you know, in the moment. Um, Yeah. 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 That's so true. It's just about listening. And that's what I always go back to is like Vito is just listening, listen, listen. Sometimes that's all they want just to be heard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that struggle sometimes, or I feel like I will have that struggle in the future. It's like, ah, this person is going through this very specific issue and I don't connect with it where I've never experienced it myself. So how can I get them out of it? You know, so yeah. I guess I, it's something that comes with the experience, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think just going back to that curiosity piece and just, you know, asking questions and having them inform you and being really genuinely curious about their life it just kind of opens up that connection whether or not you've had that experience at least now you're able to connect with them on just a human level and so yeah. that's that's pretty much what's worked for me thus far yeah definitely and in talking about you know community mental health private practice telehealth mm-hmm. what would be your ideal scenario in the future where does beth see herself working at when she's licensed what is she going to be doing yeah, definitely. I, I would love to work in a group private practice. Um, I really appreciate and value that kind of collaboration amongst clinicians um, and a, a very diverse breadth of clinicians as well. Um, I think in a group private practice that that could be really resourceful for the community. Um, and personally, I've always wanted to be a professor. So maybe I would go into teaching. Like I said, I've always enjoyed education. So that might be a route for me as well. And then just having a small private practice on my own is something that I'd like to do Um, just by way of being able to be my own boss in a lot of ways. You know, I spent a lot of my youth in retail, a lot of my young adulthood in retail. And I I know that I I kind of want (laughs) to direct, yeah, that path into something that I control. And so that's why I'm here too. Yeah, hundred percent. I I can relate. I spent years in retail and it was crazy. So <laughs> I, I I very much look forward to having my my own practice, be my own yeah. boss, doing yeah. my own things. Um, and it, it's funny that you mentioned the group uh, practice because I hear that a lot. It seems like it's growing more than ever. You know, instead of just having your own private practice, why not have it with certain members? You know, within the community. So in case mm-hmm. hey, you can you can't assist this person, but you have someone right there who maybe has an open slot. Uh, so it seems like a really a, a common thing and it's trending and it's growing a lot more. Do you see that too? Yeah, I, I definitely do. The other thing that I hear a lot is that private practice can be really isolating for the individual, for the therapist. Mm. And so I think that's where group private practice could really be beneficial. Is so you don't feel like you're just you and your clients all day and or you and your notes all day and then you go home and that's all. The, the collaboration in a group private practice, I think, also helps the individual therapist just with self-care and, you know, enjoying Learn and grow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right there. Maybe in between sessions, you go grab a coffee. There's another therapist there. You chit-chat. You're learning. You're growing. Or, again, even if you're chit-chatting something outside of work. Yeah. I, at least you're, you're talking to someone. You're not fully isolated. So I can see myself being interested in that too. So I think we, we share common interests in those aspects as well. Um, since you did um, kind of mention being a, wanting to be a professor, since you, you kind of do a little bit of that now, 
I'm curious because I don't know how the laws are for NFT or in California because it's it's not only about the program, it's also where it's the state that you're in sometimes and everything is different. Um, so I think for me, if I wanted to go into teaching, at least on the graduate level, I have to get a PhD. Is that something that you need as well? Yeah, at the graduate level, you do have to have either PsyD or doc- doctoral degree in some form. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at like community colleges. I would be okay with teaching something like a general psychology. I wouldn't really mind just, either. <laughs> yeah, you know, just helping students, again, uh, figure out if that's something for them. Yeah, I, I think I would actually be very interested in doing that. I remember mm-hmm. my general psychology class in like, I don't know, 2013 or something. I absolutely loved it. I was just, yeah. like, I already knew I wanted to get into psych. I was one of that, that, those people that I started my AA knowing that I wanted to be a, you know, in the field of psychology, be a therapist. It's been a yeah. long journey for me. Um, but I remember taking that first class. I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is like, this is it. You know, I really like this. And it's so crazy because now that I think about it, like, it's so general. Yeah, it really is a very broad overview. Very and broad overview. Yeah, I think that allows you to be, you know, be able to discern what is for you. Like, if you really like pathology and you really like personality disorders or if you like, you know, other aspects of it. Oh, yeah, it's everything. I remember we learned about um serial killers and the, the stuff that the, their, men, their mental illness and my professor at that time was really passionate about that and like going into their minds and like, and I was like oh wow like that's really interesting I was like probably not the path I want to be in but like, sure. like I, I like it though you know and it's so funny I've experienced that kind of first time feeling like I did in my my uh, general psych class in other classes you know like when you're like oh man this is it it's what I yeah. want to do so I felt that in my um, in my bachelor's, you know, doing a class over there. And mm-hmm. I felt that when I started my graduate program, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, I really like it. So that feeling of, of knowing you're in the right path, it's, it's a great feeling. Yeah, it is. I totally agree with that. I think when you get that kind of internal intuitive feeling of excitement that, you know, you're on the right track. Yeah, I think the right professor, though, changes everything. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. I've had a couple of like more lackluster professors and a couple of really amazing professors. So yeah, it yeah. happens in every school, in every degree, yeah, every uh, level of education, you know, there's always good and bad. And sometimes what's good for you might not be good for me because we're all different. We're all human beings. And I talk a lot about that on my show. And I think a lot of the students appreciate that just Hey, don't get so caught up with what people are saying about this professor because you might like it. If that's the only option, go take it. We're all adults. It's just, you know, some things you just got to do it and you just got to get it done, right? Don't mm-hmm. get so worried about it because you might get there and absolutely love that professor. Yeah, that's absolutely you, right. You won't know until you're there. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you might meet a professor who's extremely challenging. And at first it's a little bit hard to adapt to, but I'm finding myself with a professor like that who I really value now. And they really yeah. have great advice and great guidance for me. And so that relationship is, has come full circle, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm the same way. I don't mind the challenge. I don't mind the hard work. I'll put in the hours as long as it's like fulfilling work. I feel good about it. If there's mm-hmm. proper feedback for me, feedback is probably the most important thing in the professor. Absolutely hate it when I go through the whole class and don't get stuff graded or Agreed. stuff on time like that grinds my gear so hard. (laughs) 
yeah. when uh, you're a diligent student, yeah, you, you want to see that, you know, that grade come through or the feedback, like you're saying. Yeah, or the feedback where, you know, and for me, it's not necessarily just about the grade. Sure. Do I love getting an A? Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't, right? But for me, I'd rather get a B with some mm-hmm. feedback on it. Yeah, yeah. Give me a couple of sentences, a couple of paragraphs. Why is this bad? How can I improve it? I would much rather have Bs in that case. I don't need to be a 4.0 student as long as I'm learning. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the times, and again, this is in every school. This is not me throwing my school under the bus. Every school, every every degree, every program. A lot of the times, you know, there's uh, professors that they just say, oh, great, great job, looks great. And then you just get the grade. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, great, perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming I'm on the right path, but not much I can, I, I can't take much away from it because you didn't give me anything. What was great about it? Where did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that feedback really helps you tailor your approach when you're actually in the field, when yeah. you're actually applying these concepts. So it's really helpful to have that feedback. Yeah. I had uh, some professors, including one recently, who every time I, I published something, she was so quick to get feedback. And she was like, oh, do this. And even though probably wasn't so bad she was like oh you should try this you should try that mm-hmm. and she's doing it with every student not just me so I was like all right she's not picking on me and I, I was like all right I love that that's the kind of if I could pick that kind of professor for every class I probably would I I think that's probably the most important thing for me so what do you think is one of the most important things for you outside of feedback in a classroom setting huh yeah um Really, I think it's important that the teacher is or the professor is in the field, um, currently practicing, and that they're approachable um, and that they have some open-minded ideas about how to approach all kinds of clients, you know. Um, That just allows me to be able to connect with my professor better, to look at them as a mentor and a liaison, um, and being able to have conversations like that. uh, If they're practicing currently, then it really helps guide my um, you know, clinical decisions and whatnot, if, if I need to. And so all of those things are really important in my, in the professors that I seek out like mentorship from. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's very important, especially like practicing in the field. Yeah. I can relate to you more if you are, you know, it's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me some <laughs> stories. I love the story guy, the, the story professors. Yeah. Give me something that I can take home and, and connect with it. So I agree with you there. And you do uh, a lot of tutoring that you've mentioned. uh, And actually, I even went through your website before that you have on your Instagram uh, link. And I noticed that you you provide some consulting, some uh, tutoring and one-on-one. So how does does that go for you? And um, I I know you already do that as your job, but in in the high school level, but how has that been in uh, the graduate program or helping with the the letters, you know, to, to get into the school, those essays. So how has that been? Yeah. I mean, it's been a really good experience. I've only tutored a couple of individuals who've like come to me specifically for those things, but the feedback that I'm getting is that they really value the program and like value the concepts that we're learning. Um, It takes a lot to become a good writer. Some, you know, and it takes a lot of guidance and a lot of, you know, adaptation and just being able to, not take things personally, right? Because writing is something that I think is a lot of, it's sensitive for people. And so um, being able to kind of be there and guiding the student, understanding really their 
their approach to wanting to um, start a program, an MFT program or a social work program. All those are, are really important in order to like write that personal essay or that personal statement and make it impactful and make it, you know, differentiate yourself from all of the other students who are applying. And so it, the student that I'm working with, it's been a lot of fun. Um, she is really a good learner. She learns quickly. We've done a lot of um, concepts, MFT concepts. We've done some essay writing. It gets a little, you know, pressure cooker sometimes, but it's been good. So it's a learning process for both of us, really. And I just always enjoy, yeah, helping her get reach her goals. So that's what we're in the process of. That's what we're in the field of, helping people reach their goals. So that's good that you're doing that in a different perspective, you know, through, through the graduate program and helping students that way. Uh, I feel like a lot of the times I see some students are really struggle with writing or they like mm-hmm. really know how to do it. Yeah. Or they're just confident doing it, right? It doesn't mean that you're amazing at it. You're just confident. You know what, what you have to do, what you have to look for and things like that. Yeah. I'm that guy. I'm, I, I love writing. I, I can easily put words into paper and, and formulate an essay. Um, and when I pick up the direction that I want to go, I, I can get it done. So yeah. how do you feel about that? And what students in the field or even yourself, do you feel like there's a big struggle for writing psych papers or therapy papers? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was grateful enough to be able to have a psychological writing class in my bachelor's degree. And so I think like you had the professor who was really detail oriented with her feedback. I had a professor like that as well in my psychological writing class. And so that just really allowed me to grow in that full semester of writing and grow in a way that, wow, I hadn't realized that there really is a structure to the type of writing that we're doing in mental health, Um, especially with the papers that we have to write in grad school. Once we get the hang of it, yeah, I'm like you, you know, you know what you're supposed to hit. And once you get a topic, you're just flowing. And so I love to be able to get students to that place where they feel comfortable, they feel confident, and and they love they know the topics that they resonate with and they can just run with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I, I love writing. I can see mm-hmm. me writing a lot in my life. So <laughs> and yeah. it's it's good to help those students that struggle because to some people it's not as it's easier for them, but they might be great test takers. I, I suck at taking tests. <laughs> and a lot of the people who have challenges writing are actually great therapists in the session. You know, ah. they're really relatable. They've got the concepts down, but when it comes to putting it on paper, it's a little bit more challenging. And so I guess that's where I kind of come in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I appreciate that. And yeah, I think it's important to, to help students in all those, in all the ways that we can, or just helping in general. That's, we're in a field of yeah, helping, right? So Exactly. Uh, Beth, I'm sure we can sit here and talk forever, um, as I've really enjoyed our conversation so far. But um, before we wrap up, two things. One, I wanted you to, you know, tell the listeners where they can find you so they can connect with you online to continue this conversation, or perhaps if it's a student that's starting their program now. Where can they go to communicate with Beth to talk about the laws in California or perhaps, you know, get helping with the the writing to to get into their school or writing an essay in school? So where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, My Instagram is the best place to just DM me. Um, It's at MFT underscore student services. And from there, you can find my personal website, which just talks about me as a future therapist and also 
um, gives a rundown of kind of the tutoring and academic services that we can collaborate on. And um, what else? LinkedIn is also a good place for other professionals to be able to connect with me. Um, it's first name, last name, Beth Laskowski. You can also find that on my IG. And yeah, collaborate, let's connect. I'm always happy to just talk to people. Um, and of course, I love students. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that passion for, for students from what you, you know, do outside of school right now and your passion for wanting to be an educator in the future. So definitely reach out to Beth for any questions, especially if you're an FMT in California. So mm -hmm. besides that, Beth, before we wrap up, I wanted you to give our listeners three tips related to therapy, related to being a therapy, a therapist, uh, therapist student or anything that can help them in their careers. Yeah, definitely. I think we had kind of touched on it in the beginning, creating that network of valuable, reliable individuals within your cohort or even with just within your internship site. I think that's really helpful just for the duration of your program. The support network that that creates is invaluable. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is just staying organized with calendars. I've got three or four calendars. I've got a Google calendar. I've got an Outlook calendar. I've got my paper calendar making sure they're all synced it just helps with planning and organizing um and it's just gonna be the thing you hold on to for your entire program right and then the last yeah. thing i think that i'm really learning is to be able to advocate for yourself don't be mm -hmm. afraid to reach out to your professors or reach out to your practicum site supervisors with concerns um really being able to hold space for yourself within this program is a huge lesson and just it's going to be the thing you kind of lead with when you really get into the the more professional realm and, and the internship part of this. Absolutely. I love those tips. Uh, that's why I love asking those because not only I learned through the podcast, but I take these tips for me. So thank you for that. Thank you for being here. Really enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot from you and I hope we can continue to communicate through our careers. Thanks, Vitor. It's been great. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. All righty. All right.